Welcome to the game of crowdfunding. Recorded Wednesday, June 19th, 2013. That's right, the game of crowdfunding. We are coming back. I was originally thinking about going over the last few outstanding picks that Richard and I had done, but those are pretty old by now. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and, and let those go. They've been on the website for a while if you've been following them at all. I will tally up the final points and put those on the website, but it clearly shows that Richard won this, uh, we'll call it a season. Unfortunately, Richard, it looks like, will not be back. He's uh, pretty busy with his own stuff. And again, uh, go check him out over at Funding the Dream podcast, which is, I believe, the gamewhisperer.com. There is a link in our link se- section on allusgeeks.com if you're unfamiliar with that podcast. It's a great podcast. It's still uh, part of my commute to work every day. So go check it out and go give him a listen, definitely. With Richard kind of off on his own thing right now, I kind of had to take a look at what we were going to do going forward. I do have a new co-host coming in. I'm going to record with them next week. So you will get the new picks. We are going to still be doing the uh, draft picks. The rules are pretty much the same. I think the only thing that's changing is the time frame. It used to be still had 20 days left or launched within seven days. It is going to be still has 20 days left or launched within 14 days. Why 14 days? It's still pretty close to 20. Uh, the reason that we're doing that is because my co-host can record every other week. So it's going to become an every other week thing where we do picks On the off weeks, though, I do got stuff for you, and that's what this is. This is an off week. I'm starting the game of crowdfunding again on an off week. Why? Because I have an interview with somebody that's on Kickstarter right now. I'm going to talk to John and Doug from Meltdown Games, and they have a game called Gothic Doctor that is on Kickstarter right now. So I wanted to give them a chance to talk to you, let you know a little bit about them, about how they formed their company, why they decided to go to Kickstarter, a little bit about Gothic Doctor, of course, and uh, they share some lessons that they've learned along the way trying to get this game funded. So my take on only being able to do picks every other week is whenever possible, if we can line up some interviews with people that are on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, uh, any and they're game-related, we're going to go ahead and do interviews with them and give you some insight into uh, what went into them going on crowdfunding sites. So that is the plan. Every other week, we'll do picks. Whenever I have uh, somebody lined up for an interview, the off weeks, we will present a tabletop game crowdfunding-related interview for you. So there you go. That's what's going on. Now, you notice I haven't told you anything about my co-host. And that's because I'm leaving that for next week. So you'll meet the co-host next week. We'll, we'll get to know uh, where this person is coming from and why they wanted to co-host the game of crowdfunding. And then we'll uh, do our picks next week. So we are back. I do have some other interviews lined up. So you will be seeing some uh, interviews between now and and uh, I believe into early August, maybe. So we'll be hearing from other people. But for now, let me be quiet and let's go talk 
to John and Doug from Meltdown Games. All right, to help us kick off this uh, new section of the game of crowdfunding, we have our first interview with us today uh, that currently has something on Kickstarter. Who do we have with us today? Hi, I'm John. I'm with Meltdown Games, and we're creating a game called Gothic Doctor. And I'm Doug. I'm the other co-founder of Meltdown Games. That's right. Two people. You guys get two people for the price of one segment. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and like they said, we're going to be talking about Gothic Doctor here. This should come out. Uh, we're recording on a when on Wednesday. I'm going to uh, do my best to have this out tomorrow. So this will come out on a Thursday. And then if you want to tune in, I'm shooting for Friday, Friday evening, somewhere in there. The next episode of All Us Geeks will be out where Jordan and I actually do review gothic doctor so you can hear our thoughts on it at that time as well so plenty of content if you want to get to know the guys here in the game that they've produced okay so like we tend to ask a lot of our guests uh, i'm going to go ahead and throw this out to you guys and you can be as general or as specific as you want but what do you do as a profession besides meltdown games or is meltdown games it so i am by trade an english teacher and so that's going to last for two more days until the summer hits and then uh over the summer, I'll be trying to teach myself Spanish and dreaming up new ideas for games, probably. Yeah, I'm a uh, consultant video editor, and so that means that I'm working at all hours of the day and night, which is pretty outstanding. You get to see sunrise a lot. So <laughs> what that also provides for is a lot of opportunity to work on the game, in this case, being Gothic Doctor, but games in general when I'm not working. So... Uh, we've had a lot of opportunities to come up with sort of other ideas based on that. And then uh, since the game of crowdfunding is a specialized segment of all us geeks, we like to ask all of our guests, what makes you a geek? So what makes me a geek? I am an English teacher, so that's, I think, a pretty good start. My favorite novel of all time is Jane Eyre. It's actually how I met my wife. I think that gets me some pretty strong geek cred right there. Our game, I think, is pretty good evidence, too. It's set in Victorian England, and it's trying to be faithful to the literature. It's trying to be mostly scientifically accurate for the sorts of treatments they were using back then. And, you know, to boot, it's a game. So <laughs> I would say probably all those things put together, that makes, makes up my geekiness quotient. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with comic books for me. I, I'm sitting in a room filled with comic books and comic book paraphernalia. And as long as I can remember the first thing I ever wanted to buy was a comic book. First dollar of my allowance. And so comic book and comic book characters, that and the fact that I have an Xbox game sitting right now waiting to be played. So, I'm sorry we're uh, taking you away from that. No, I'd rather be here. <laughs> Since uh, we're actually connected via video here, I see you've got some uh, martial arts equipment behind you there on the wall. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a martial artist. We're actually both martial artists, okay. uh, although we've both taken very different paths to get to where we are now. I spent a lot of time doing Kung Fu and Tai Chi and recently took up Krav Maga, which is an Israeli martial art. And so I've been doing that for 10 years or so now. Doug? Yeah, I took up martial arts when I blew out my knee in eighth grade. 
not quite a blowout, but if I kept Usually going, not about the time you want to do it when you're physically disabled. <laughs> it's usually not the time you want to get more physically active. Yeah, but it seems I, to have been, worked for you, so... Yeah, it worked out all right. Uh, I've been a runner mostly, and I was starting to get IP syndrome, which is where the, the kneecap starts to slide off. And so it was recommended that I do something that would work a lot with stance work and stuff like that. So it was either fencing or uh, martial arts. And since my high school had as a club sport Tang Sudo, which is a more traditional version of Taekwondo, I took that up and I did that for about 10 years. And then with starting to teach, I was way too busy to do anything other than teach. But in the past, about two years ago, I took up Shaolin Kung Fu, which a friend of mine had been in for about six years. And uh, he got me involved up there. So I've been doing that. Excellent. So that sounds like something else that both of you are extremely passionate about. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is one of the things that we like to, on the main podcast, express to our listeners is that as far as we're concerned, geeking out is just basically anybody can be a geek about anything as long as they're passionate about it. For sure. Excellent. So let's get into some things here. You know what? Let's first talk about uh, you guys together make up Meltdown Games, but you're in different states. So why don't you uh, let our listeners know how it came to be that you guys got to talking and got to the point where you decided, hey, let's get together. Let's form a gaming company. So uh, wh- where did the collaboration come in and where where did you guys decide this was a good fit? And let's, uh, let's work on not only a game, but a uh, company together. Well, it got started a long, long time ago. We met through a mutual friend who I had gone to elementary school with and who John went to high school with. And he is I'll give you the shorter version. There's a full version up on our website, actually, uh, meltdowngames.com. But the short version is this friend is croquet obsessed. He's certainly geeking out about that. And so we were playing a game, and John and I were on the same team. And we were you know, standing around and talking to each other and found out that my favorite comic book character is Havoc, and his favorite comic book character is Wolverine. And so you know, immediately that was, okay, we're Team Meltdown. There it is. <laughs> yeah, nice. And so we were an unstoppable juggernaut on the croquet field for many games. Not every game, but many. So Team Meltdown came out of that. Yeah, John, do you want to talk a little bit about the, the game? So I got this call from Doug one day, and he says, hey, I had this dream about this game, and he sort of gives me this sort of rundown on what the dream was and said, I think we can make a game out of this, and I think it'd be really fun to play. And so we sort of start brainstorming right off the bat, and... I mean, it was it was a few minutes before, yes, this is absolutely happening. I mean, this is something that we, we totally have to do. It's awesome. And started playing off of that a lot. And, you know, we've had a couple of really good collaborations in the past, but we've never actually done anything this of professionalism before. So we talked about it and decided that we really needed to actually have a company behind us, you know, form a company between the two of us. And so we effectively looked at each other and said, well, what do we think we should call this? And it took Doug about a half a second to go meltdown games and me about three quarters of a second to go meltdown games. So (laughs) we were in complete agreement about the name of that based on really this history of croquet that we have together where, you know, we're a really unstoppable force. We've worked so well together in the past. Let's try and expand that. In, into the gaming sphere, which we're both so passionate about also. So at one point, you guys were kind of in the same city and, and are friends prior, and now you just live elsewhere and are collaborating uh, uh, across like Google Hangouts and stuff like that? Or 
Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, a big part of it has been, you know, we talk on the phone enough to uh, run out of minutes every month for sure. Um, <laughs> but we also, uh, we spend a lot of time with Google Docs. You know, there's a lot of math that went into this game. There's a lot of planning that went into the design of this game. And so we spend a lot of time on the phone, on Google Docs, and then in person. You know, I I live in Virginia. Doug lives up in New Jersey. So it's not a terrible drive right. to get from one place to the other. So in person, we'd sort of hammer out all the things that we couldn't hammer out online. Okay. So with the forming of Meltdown Games, now uh, you guys formed it around the fact that you had this game that you just want, had to see get made. Yeah. My next question then to add on to that is, do you see yourselves or did you see yourselves or do you see yourselves in the future really wanting to be in on the game publisher side? Because it's, and the reason I ask is because it's such a different world than designing. You don't say. (laughs) Some people love the design aspect, but never want to be on the publishing side. And we just recently, I interviewed somebody that was like, I don't want to be a designer. I tried my hand at it. I want to publish other people's games. And every once in a while, you get people that are in between. But it seems like you guys started with the game. So what are your thoughts on the publishing side and and moving forward with your company on the publishing side? Really, we had sort of envisioned this as a game company from a design perspective entirely and started talking to, you know, potential printers and looking into shipping and sort of all the publishing aspects of it on our own for a very short period until we realized that we had no idea what we were doing there. (laughs) Um, So we got in contact with someone who works as a publisher and really found that working with her has been fantastic and taken a lot of the questions of publishing off of our minds. So I think that right now we're leaning much more towards the design end, Mm -hmm. both for this game and for future games that we sort of have in the pipeline. So Meltdown Games is just going to kind of become your brand for design, but you're looking at someone else for the publishing? Well, we have uh, more so for the, the printing, really. The publication would still be probably through us, but uh, we've been working with Ad Magic, who is out of Netcong, New Jersey. So nice to have them local up here. And so, you know, she's, Shari from there has been super helpful with, you know, helping coordinate everything with us in terms of, you know, finding us the best price points for, for stuff so that we can make the game as affordably as possible. You know, if it hadn't been for her, the, the $25 price point, which is, seems to sort of be that magic Kickstarter number, yes. mm-hmm. like just would not have been possible for the number of cards we're going to put into this game. So, so you kind of outsourced some of the larger headache things that some people go through as a game designer that don't really look into it this far when they put something up on Kickstarter. So yeah, exactly. So you guys can focus more on the publishing or the designing side, I should say. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's smart, and it's good to hear that you guys have gone through that. Like I said, I I don't know how many people I end up getting to talk to, either on the show or outside of the show, that basically find themselves in in this uh you know this area where they're like oh i i have no idea what i'm doing i i wish i would have never put this kickstarter up and just found a publisher you know stuff like that so it's good to good to know that you guys uh guys took all that into uh, consideration when you were going, coming up on kickstarter 
Well, that's a that's a work in progress, but yeah. <laughs> well, but you've done more research than a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we sort of we came into this with, you know, okay, if we were to publish this ourselves by ourselves with no help or advice whatsoever, what would we do? What are the steps that we need to take? And started researching all of those steps. I mean, we really into printing and sort of the the world of printing in China versus you know the UK versus America and what the price differences would be there and what the shipping costs would be and very quickly found out that it's good to know people and getting in touch with somebody like Sherry from Ad Magic was that person who knows people so in doing all that research it really told us a lot about what we want to do going forward and sort of how best to give the game to the world, how best to provide the game to the world, you know, outside of Kickstarter. So at what point through all of this process did you guys go, okay, we're good to go for Kickstarter. Let's make this a Kickstarter project. And and what kind of work went into that for you? It was as soon as we realized we needed illustrations that neither one of us can do at all. (laughs) There's actually examples on the website about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is the Banshee still up? The Banshee is still up. Check out the Banshee on MeltdownGames.com. That, that's what it would look like if I was doing everything. Um, <laughs> it would be awesome in a sort of horrible way. There's a market for that. I guess, yeah. <laughs> so maybe our next Kickstarter is, is the variant deck done by the two of us. Is that a person? No, that, that's the back of the card. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as we knew... Uh, that we wanted to really go ahead with this, we knew that we were going to have to find some way to to really raise the money to to get the art and to get it printed. And so, you know, we found a, a great artist through my brother-in-law who said, yeah, yeah, I know a guy and kept not giving me his name. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was getting like angrier and angrier with him. And finally I said like, Steve, you got to give me this guy's name because otherwise I can't contact him. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll get it to you. I'll get it. I, guess I just got to make sure it's okay with him. And then three days later from my birthday, he gives me two things that this guy had done. And so he was just sort of keeping it under wraps until he could give that to me as a birthday present. And so, yeah, I mean, it was at that point we knew this is our guy. Which is great unless you're actually trying to get something done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was still in the, yes, this is something for down the road kind of stage. That was way back in February. And, you know, we didn't know exactly what our launch date was going to be yet. And so... So yeah, Steve didn't really hold us up much at all there. Uh, yeah, and we were doing actually a lot of research on other illustrators at that point and finding out price points that uh, that they were, you know, would go with and also looking at different styles and it really happened to be, you know, sort of a perfect combination for us with our illustrator. I mean, you know, he's, aside from price point, the style is exactly what both of us were looking for. And I mean, hit it right on the head without us asking you know, to do anything. The one of the images that he gave Doug was the final image for Mr. Hyde that's going into the game. Hmm. Yep. So it was it was just sort of sort of kismet a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you that then, while, since we're talking a little bit about the art, was that one of the things in your research that kind of surprised you? I mean, as far as how much you would have to spend on art? Yes yeah. and no. Yeah. <laughs> I come from a very sort of creative background where Doug comes from this educational background. Mm -hmm. And so I have it a little bit more in my head that things are going to cost a lot more. And Doug has it in his head that things should cost what they should cost. (laughs) Um, So 
in doing this research, I'd find someone and then I'd go, oh, he only charges, you know, X amount for what, however many images or per image or whatever. And then Doug would sort of look at that number and get a little green. <laughs> and then we'd say, okay, maybe this isn't the guy for us or the, the girl for us. But it gave us a lot of opportunity to sort of see who was out there and available and the different styles that were available to go with that. Yeah. I'm with you, by the way, Doug. Thank you. I have an IT background, so yeah, I'm more of the uh, logical thinking and everything. And, and I do game design on the side, uh, kind of hobbyish, mm-hmm. but I have no artistic endeavor. I have no artistic talent ever. My kid sister, <laughs> I always said, my kids, I got the writing ability. My kid sister got the artistic ability, and I could screw up a stick figure if you asked me to. Oh, for Actually, sure, yeah. if you don't ask me to, I'd do it anyway. <laughs> so that's always been my big thing is you get to a certain point, it's like, well, I've taken this about as far as I can. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing about, about Jeff, the, the guy who's doing the art for it, was that he and my brother-in-law and I met and you know were chatting in a cafe and about cafe. It makes it so, sound so fancy. In a diner. <laughs> A Latin American. Oh, don't diner. downgrade it for us. I mean, no, no. Was, I mean, we we are kind of lowbrow at times, but uh, we can understand the cafe. Well, the, the place is called Cafe Surrender, uh, and it's amazing if you're ever in Woodbridge, New Jersey. But it's it's a it's a diner. Um, <laughs> and so we're sitting there and we're talking, and you know, having gone through all these other price points where you know a person would want two hundred dollars in illustration or or whatever. And I was saying, okay, I gotta, I gotta keep it cool. I gotta not let Jeff know how much we love his work because, you know, you know, we're negotiating now. <laughs> and so he gave us the price point, and you know, I did some quick mental math and went, okay, he must, he, he must be wrong. <laughs> so I said, well, we would want to have at least fifty illustrations. And he said, yeah, that that would be this much. And I went, well, um, okay, yeah, that that would be fine, you know. It's one of those things where you have the, the little thought bubble over your head and it's me jumping up and down screaming going, this, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. So yeah, finding him was amazing. Just amazing. So, and I will say though, the final pieces that I've seen, we do like the art style and, and the direction that you're taking the game. Uh, spoiler, <laughs> since we haven't actually posted the review yet, but <laughs> it's coming very soon. We're really aiming... When you talk about the art, we were really aiming for as much historical accuracy or literary accuracy as possible. With Mr. Hyde, you can see in the final art that he's not, you know, this giant, you know, muscle-bound, like, huge guy from League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or anything like that. He's just a normal guy. And if you go back and look at the literature, He's just a normal guy. He's just got a very, very dark side to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and Jeff really nailed that. And so we've sort of tried to focus on not taking the, you know, supernatural out of the supernatural. I mean, vampires look like vampires and, you know, the mummy looks like a mummy. But when we can apply the reality to it of either the literature or of reality reality within the style that we're going for, we really aim to do that because Jeff can really capture that so well. And the thing that, to add on to that, that's been really amazing about Jeff is his ability to do the patient cards, which are, you know, we wanted to be a little bit scary. So, you know, we wanted this werewolf to be really, really ferocious, but, and he's actually a great example because, you know, on the good shave card, we have him 
panicking. You know, he's about to, he's about to not be a werewolf anymore. And we wanted that, that sort of funny panic, you know, what would happen if these guys were going to not be monsters anymore, you know, to bring in that element of lightness and that element of levity to it. Jeff is really great at doing both of those things. His eyes, the eyes he draws are amazing. Everyone should draw eyes like Jeff Drylowitz. That's just the way it is. So we kind of went into the artwork and stuff, which started us down a road of talking about some of the characters and whatnot that appear in the game. So let's take it back just a step real quick, and let's uh, give you guys the opportunity here to actually give us the high-level pitch. Go ahead and tell our, our listeners what uh, we're talking about here. What, what is Gothic Doctor, and, and uh, what can they expect when they go over to the Kickstarter page? Sure. So Gothic Doctor is a game that a couple other reviews that we've gotten so far have said that they think it's a great game both for experienced gamers because there's that element of strategy with the action cards uh, and a great game for beginning players because it's when we were designing it, a lot of the stuff we cribbed from Rummy, you know, that idea of card combinations being what earn you points and then, you know, tweaked it by it's only what's in the waiting room that, that you can get paid for. So it's a really simple, I think, pretty intuitive game to pick up. So that, that's my pitch in terms of it appealing to everybody. Then add on top of that, you know, Jeff's amazing artwork, which, you know, if we fund, we're going to have him finish all those cards, and it's really going to be something to behold. And, you know, the flavor text that's on there to add that one more element of either the historical stuff about it or the, you know, the literature aspect of it, depending on whether it's a legend or not. Um, the legends have text right out of the right out of the literature, and all the other patients, the lower level ones, are more historical information. So we really think we have an awesome game here. If I were to take a quick stab at that, you know, the first thing that I would tell anybody is you're a doctor in 1850s London, and you run a medical clinic, or you're part of a medical clinic that treats monsters. You know, and they happen to be the monsters from Gothic literature, but effectively, you know, every night, you've got a waiting room filled with werewolves and the reanimated and mummies and banshees and, 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 and it's, you know, a fast paced card card game built around that with a really an intellectual side to it. Yeah. I forgot that the listeners haven't been working on this for the past eight months. Like that, so. <laughs> That's right. If he wouldn't have popped in, I was going to take you back to the actual theme. <laughs> right. We're going to have an in detailed review that Jordan and I have both sat down and played the game quite a bit and we talk about it on the next episode but just at the high at a high level we both thoroughly enjoyed the game we both thoroughly enjoyed the theme and loved the theme we thought you guys did an excellent job on it it is a, a very well done game that does appeal to a large audience across the board we kind of described it as it's not it's not a heavy game but it's mm-hmm. not a light filler game either. It's kind of more of a, a, a medium-style game that really, in our minds, has a spot at the table on a game night. And that's really kind of what we were going for. I mean, when we started this out, we built it out in with a, a much higher luck element, and then we play-tested it and play-tested it and refined it and refined it and sort of started to go, okay, what elements can we add to this to bring some strategy to it? So that it's not a strategy game, but it's not a luck game either. I mean, you're not playing Yahtzee here. You know, you've got to think about all the actions that you're taking. What are those actions going to be? But at the same time, who knows what patients are going to show up in the waiting room? 
you know, so really it's that balance of luck and strategy that we were aiming for that I think helps put it into that category of, you know, light enough to play on a game night. It's very well done. And there's, there's a, a lot of cool elements overall to the game. So uh, good job, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is on Kickstarter right now. You're at uh, 36% or so? Mm-hmm. Okay. 36% funded. Uh, when does it end? The 29th. So June 29th. So they've got a, a little ways to go yet. But again, this is definitely something to go check out. It is an excellent game and uh they need your help to get this made mm-hmm. so but before i let them go i got one last question at least for you guys and of course i'm going to turn it over to you guys to uh if there's anything you want to add uh, sure. or let our listeners know about but one of the things we like is you, you guys are on kickstarter you've gone through the kickstarter experience you're relatively oh. new this is your this is your flagship game correct Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is your flagship game for the company. Uh, you've come up on Kickstarter. So now what lessons have you guys learned so far? What can you give to our other indie game designers that like to listen uh, that are thinking about the Kickstarter experience? Uh, what should they know going in? So the first thing that became super obvious to us, maybe day two of the Kickstarter, was boy, howdy, we probably should have thought about the PR and the marketing for this before yesterday. We kind of had this sense of Kickstarter is a point of marketing when really that isn't necessarily the case. So the biggest point of lessons learned that I would put out there is, you know, prepare yourself way ahead of time on the things that you know, you aren't necessarily focusing on. We spent a lot of time on designing the game. We spent a lot of time on illustrating the game and making sure that it's the game that we want to put out there. We didn't really give a lot of, you know, heads up to, you know, how are we going to get this game out there? And that would be the one thing that I would change at this point. You know, the other big part of this is when you're working with somebody else to build a game, you know, doing the online thing, doing the talking on the phone thing, you know, it was critical to our, you know, success in just getting the game fully designed and finished. But the days when we actually got together in person, we got a thousand percent done more together in person than we did over the phone or through Google Docs or anything like that. So if you're working with someone else, you know, make sure that you spend the time together in the same physical space, working on the design, working on the design of the game and the design of the cards or the design of the board or whatever that you're working on. It really just makes such a massive difference to be in the same room with someone and make those decisions together. And just as a for example of that, the prototype deck that's up on our website right now, meltdowngames.com, another shameless plug there. Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to start charging soon. Yeah, no worries. (laughs) So we put together that prototype deck. John came over, you got here probably 8 o'clock that night. Do you remember? Something like that, yeah. And we went through and we did all of the all of the PDFing. You know, John had already done the card layout, but we did all the PDFing and made final decisions and tweaked some of the, uh, the free-to-use artwork we're using on there. And we put all of that together in one night. And so by the time he left at 5 a.m., we had that, that prototype deck done in you know, 
probably about nine hours of, of sitting there and just hashing it out. Whereas, you know, we can spend two weeks working on finalizing, you know, just this one card if we're, if we're not in the same room. So I would say that's super critical. And, and that's thing- actually, that's a great example because there was a previous just play test deck that we put together that we actually did do entirely over the phone and over Google Docs, you know, from two states apart. And it really did take us about eight days to put that together as opposed to really one work day worth of time. Mm-hmm. The other big thing I would say, and this is similar to what John said, but I really want to stress this because I think this is the number one thing that we didn't do that I, that I wish we had. Going in, we were thinking you know, about the way that I, I approach Kickstarter, the way John approaches Kickstarter from the buying side, which is that I go on Kickstarter, I find out about cool stuff, and I say, yeah, that looks good, I'm going to get that. And so we were treating Kickstarter as our marketing, whereas I think it's really the other way around. You have to really carefully market so that your Kickstarter is successful. And I think that's the number one most critical thing. I completely agree with that. It's it's one of those things that uh, I know I've been asked to look at and give feedback on a lot of Kickstarters lately, especially before they launch. And you're very right. Kickstarter is a good, it will help and, and it can increase your marketing, but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of marketing that has to be done up front in order for that to kick in properly and start working. And, and it's not, uh, it's definitely not, and, and I like to stress that to the people I talk to and the, the people that listen here, is it's not a set it and forget it thing by any means. It, it's not going to do the work for you. <laughs> no, it's, there's been work every single day of this campaign, and a lot of this work that we're doing now is stuff that we're openly saying to each other now. It would have been great if we'd done this six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, and had it all really in the pipeline before it ever started. Right, and not to release everything en masse on the first day. You know, I think it's important to have those, you know, those new levels come out partway through to kind of try to combat that, you know, middle slump or whatever. But you know, having all of that stuff set up before so that you're not saying okay, well, we're going to have these five levels. And then you say, oh, well, why don't we add another one? Or, you know, um, trying to work on any uh, any of the stuff that you're going to eventually put on there mid-campaign is probably inevitable. Right. But whatever our next Kickstarter is, I think it's going to be something that we've really, really carefully planned out ahead of time. And we've said, all right, so on day seven, this is what's happening. And on day 12, here's, you know, have it written up. Here's what we're going to release. Right. You know, all that sort of stuff. Or when we reach... 50%, here's what we're going to do or, or what have you. And the other thing is getting it out to reviewers ahead of time. We started sending stuff out partway through the first week because we wanted to be on Kickstarter when they got it. I, I think probably sending it to them two weeks before it's on Kickstarter and saying, we're starting on this day, uh, what can you do for us, is probably the way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things. It's, it's always better to reach out ahead of time. Yeah. As you know, we've had our, our conversations as well, as well through uh, email and stuff about uh, what our queue looks like and when we can fit stuff in. Mm-hmm. You guys are doing the analytical look at what's right, what's wrong, and that's always a good thing. And I, the, one of the other things I like to tell individuals too is, I mean, it sucks if it happens, obviously, but having a failed Kickstarter and having to relaunch a Kickstarter is not a bad thing. Right. 
but I'm still hopeful that maybe you guys will get your hit and uh, and we'll get this game created. You, no matter what happens, you have not seen the last of Gothic Doctor. I promise you that. I am extremely happy to hear that, I, and I genuinely mean that. It's we get a lot of games, and uh, we play a lot of games, and we enjoy a lot of games. But there are few games that one Jordan and I can completely agree on, and two that we both thoroughly enjoy to the point where you know, again, we've we've got our queue, like I've talked to you guys about before. We've we've got this sure. queue that we got to get through, so. We have to be very picky about what we play between Q reviews and yours and uh, a couple others that we've gotten recently we've been extremely surprised with and happy with. And it's definitely a game that we're going to play between reviews. So, I mean, and that that's huge I, from our aspect. I mean, you know, we're not the end-all, be-all, obviously. Our opinion is our opinion, but... Yeah, but you're, you're game players, and that's really... That's what's important to us is that making a game that people can enjoy not just making a game and being able to say okay we made a game but really like what's the best thing that we can put out there that we know other people will enjoy and how can we make it more enjoyable right and definitely not going to mention any names here um and i'm also not going to say what my my own personal kickstarter handle is so people can't go in and, and look at stuff but there have you know been one or two games that since i go about backing stuff the way i go about it I've gone, oh, that's, that's a great concept. That's going to be awesome. And then I get it and I go, oh, God. What did I just spend 36 bucks on? Because I, I got the add-on pack and, oh, man. I've, you know, I've done it. <laughs> I'm there with you. We absolutely wanted to make sure that you know, anybody who got this game would go, yo, I got a great game for, for 25 bucks and cool. You know, th- this is great. So yeah, we really very much appreciate hearing that that it's something that you guys are able to come back to and really enjoy. Well, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wrap this one up here so I can get to the editing process and get this out to people. All right. Is there anything that you want to uh, add before we do the wrap-up here? Uh, One other piece of advice. We definitely had a conversation right about the time when we should have, you know, already had had the conversation, but right at the beginning of the campaign of, you know, what happens at the end of this campaign? Uh, what are the various options of things that could happen? You know, could it could it succeed? Could it fail? Could it take off? You know, there, there are a lot of different things that could happen. And what happens if it succeeds, if it succeeds wildly, or if it doesn't succeed? And so having a plan in place for each of those things sort of does give us uh, a bit of a rudder as to, what our next steps are, you know, um, how we're going to push our last week and hopefully the success that will come out of that. And if that success doesn't come out of it, what are the next steps that we take so that Gothic Doctor makes its way out into the world? I think that's exactly right. The other thing that I would add on to that is that going in knowing what you want out of it is important. You know, if, if you want it to be something where you want to get this game out there and that's what's important to you, you go about that differently than if you want to have this, you know, now suddenly be the thing that you do and, you know, making sure that you're on point with that and treating it in the way that you want it to be treated in the long run. Gothic Doctor is on Kickstarter right now. It's about 36% funded, ends June 29th. Again, one of the reasons why I wanted to say here, since uh, you'll hear this first, Jordan and I both 
thoroughly enjoyed this game and you can hear our full review here coming soon but this is definitely one we uh, uh, at least would appreciate you going and checking out and as always the kickstarter link will be in the show notes doug john thank you guys for taking some time to talk to me hey, thank, thank you, you for talking to us. all right thanks guys mm-hmm.